Welcome to the vault where you can find the code to unlock your success. In this space, I invite real, inspiring and successful experts. We have eye-opening conversations about the way to reach your highest potential in life and in business. We will cover the mastery of mindset, energy, emotions, transformation, sales, marketing, thriving in business without losing your authenticity and balance. Hi, I'm Sonia Martinovic and host of The Vault, an entrepreneur, mindset mastery and online business coach with an obsession on real transformation. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs and other influencers master the mindset and build a successful and impactful business. Do you want to break free from your limitations and express your truest self in business and in life? Is growth your game and success your aim? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the vault. Let's start cracking your code. And welcome to another episode of The Vault. And this week, what we will unlock is incredible. I was fascinated by Natasha Miller because she's not your average CEO. She sits at the helm of entire productions, the go-to experience design, events, and entertainment production company in San Francisco, and has been on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing uh, companies in America for three years in a row. Natasha's passion and commitment to give back drive her invariable contributions and participation with numerous charitable organizations. She's also very creative and she's performing as a jazz vocalist and a trained classical violinist. <laughs> Natasha is a proud graduate of Goal Sackman's 10,000 Small Businesses and has studied entrepreneurship, Harvard Business School with the MITs and is a member of the Recording Academy, the Grammys, and also a member of the board of Entrepreneurs Organization. I'm so excited. Welcome to the vault. I'm very excited to start this interview with you, Natasha. Thank you. So nice to be here and nice to meet you. Yeah, definitely. There is a great energy going on here, guys. So I hope you can feel it. It's going to be exciting because we're going to dive into Natasha's story and how she was able to create this so successful business and of course, about her journey and how she can help you create maybe the same or something that is authentic to you. So just to start, Natasha, could you tell me a little bit more about this? I'd love to find out about this epiphanal point, right? What happened? What got you into this? And how were you able to create your success? I think you need to, st I think we need to start early, early years. And that is, I was brought up in the 70s and 80s in the middle of America in Iowa, so not terribly progressive. Mm. And honestly, I was living in a very tumultuous, abusive home. And fast forward to 16 years old, I was taken to a homeless youth shelter on Christmas Day, and I've been on my own ever since. So you can imagine that entrepreneurial spirit that I have could have been natural. It could have been inherent. It could have been something that I was born with, but it was more likely that I had to fend and fight for myself at a very young age. Yeah. And that's, I think, the catalyst for some of the energy that I had in creating. So I had to monetize everything and yeah. anything that I was even remotely good at. And I was a violinist. 
um, studying since fourth grade and I was a singer. So I was performing at social and corporate events being paid and with my string quartet and with my jazz ensemble. And in 2001, I decided to turn all of that um, activity into a real formidable business with a business license and paying taxes. And I think being on my own and having to defend myself, typically if an artist or a musician is called by someone, but they're already booked for that date that, they're, that the client is looking for, they turn it down. They say, oh, sorry, I'm booked. Mm. But I couldn't do that because I couldn't yeah. afford to turn down the business. Yeah. So I brought in other groups that were like me, better than me, hopefully, um, <laughs> and managed them. So when I was performing at someone's wedding, I had two or three other ensembles performing at other events and making money from that too. Yeah, exactly. So that is how you slowly rolled into the experience of event planning and everything. Could you tell a little bit more about the business, how it stands right now? So our listener knows exactly what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, so we Entire Productions is an event and entertainment production company. We really focus on experience design and it's been around for 21 years. We're a profitable multi-million dollar business. Even with COVID shutting down all in-person events, we were able to turn the page and create virtual events that were stunning, held people's attention, kept people really engaged. And we were able to do over 200 events online. Wow. 2020. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's not pretty amazing. That's just amazing. So especially in this like very uncertain time for everybody, you were managed to turn it around. So I guess this uh, story you had from your past definitely gives you a lot of, of gave you a lot of resilience and resourcefulness, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who has a similar vision or goal to create a company like this? What, what, what would the first two or three steps be from someone that is already doing fine financially, but one is, wants to take it to a new experience? Well, there are two things. There's the emotional answer and there's the systems and process answer. And I'll start with the emotional Yes. You had mentioned the word resilient, and that is really important. So resilience is going from where you are to a lower point and then bouncing back up to where you were before. Yeah. But if you want to get ahead of where you were before or move from where you were before to a different spot, it's not enough to be resilient. You have to be relentless. Yes. Relentless in the pursuit of your dreams and your goals and your success. and I wrote a book, a memoir about my life, and it's called Relentless. Yes. <laughs> and I really do think that as an entrepreneur or as a human being that wants to get from where they are now, it could be, you could be in a horrible place or you can be in a pretty good place and still want to get to another place, right? Mm. You have to get rid of the distractions, put your blinders on, be diligent, have discipline and be relentless and not just let the status quo float you down the river. Yeah. So that's sort of the emotional side. But as far as how to scale and grow a business, there are three major things that I talk about, and that is systems and processes. Yeah. 
right? Which are so important. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't want to deal with that because yeah. they are creative. Whatever they're doing is typically from their gut or their um, Vision, yeah. passion or, and then, then to be bogged down with figuring out every company has a system and process, whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. And other people in their company may be deviating from it. And that is a challenge, right? Yeah. And the second thing is people learning how to, before you even start thinking about hiring people, think about what you really need. That's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out where it fits in a puzzle. That's a challenge. Write a job description that really describes what you need, not just what their duties are, but what the outcomes are that yes. you want those duties to have. Yes. And then finding the right people to interview, knowing how to interview, it's so much work, but you yes. have to put in the work. So I say to people, I have the shortcut. Do you want to know what the shortcut is? The shortcut is do the work. Do the work in advance so that you can enjoy your, the fruits of your labor. Now I did laying down this like really strong foundation. Yes. Right. With the yep. systems and, and the processes and the people, especially. And I, I can imagine working with people and I've worked, I work with people in my life, but <laughs> managing people has been a big part of my life. And what would you say that, for example, for a CEO, for the visionaire could be the best step to really get these people on board, not only on the interviews, but when they already are unfolding the processes and working with the processes? You need to have your culture and your core values firmly intact, not just on a poster, on a wall, not just something mentioned once a year at the sales kickoff meetings. Yes. You really have to understand what your culture is because your culture is there whether you created it on purpose or not. Yes. Right. Gosh, that's so on point. <laughs> yeah. And your core values, there's a ton of values, but really focusing in on three to five main anchor core values really helps define who you're looking for and what you're looking for and what the outcomes are. And it brings and clarity, right? Yeah. It's a lot of work and it's, a, it's work that I know entrepreneurs don't necessarily love to do. Mm. But eventually entrepreneurs figure out if they haven't done it, they have to do the they work. They have to go back and do the work. It's all apart, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So in Holland, uh, where I'm from, we, ha we had like this soapbox meetings and the CEO always talked about the core values, but what more is important on an emotional level when it comes to a CEO not only stating the values or doing it in one sales presentation, what else does the CEO get to do to level it up? The CEO has to live, breathe, and be those things, yes. right? And, and I believe that they have to be, live, breathe those things in their professional life and their personal life. Mm. And there's a bar, right, that you are measuring people against and you can't let people in your organization, um, go too far outside of those lines because everyone's watching. Yeah. So they're looking to you. Like if somebody's always showing up late or you're never sure if that person is going to show up, there's probably a core value 
that they are not adhering to. And if you don't address it, then stuff starts to fall apart. And it happens on an invisible level, I guess, because maybe the CEO, it doesn't always get, he made sense this, but doesn't always get what is happening internally in an organization with. It depends on how big it is, right? How big an organization is. I think also CEOs have to really be able to think outside of their ego. Mm. Maybe depending on their experience outside of their experience and be empathetic because human beings are so complicated. Like you can create systems and processes and automations and your computer can just do things perfectly. But human beings, we're not like that. No, (laughs) we aren't. And and, and everybody is different also. So one thing could be said and you have 30, 50, 100 different views and perceptions and everything about that. I would love to hear more about your story. So what would you say that for you was a great story or an epiphanal point in your life where you really saw the success like flying, like it really went off? And what was the main catalyst? Mm -hmm. In 2015, I had really clicked in to wanting to scale and grow my business. So I was able to go to the Goldman Sachs sponsored 10,000 small businesses program. It was a three-month program and it was an entrepreneurial master's program. At that same year, because I'm leveling up with that course, it's also expanding my mind. So then I uh, sought the advice of some advisors. One of the advisors is the CEO of a $4 billion uh, company. Mm. And with that advice, paired with what I learned at the Goldman Sachs 10KSB, allowed me to really open up the floodgates of the things that were holding me back, which was lack of education which was lack of that firm foundation. I was winging it before and I was very successful. But once you get over a couple of million dollars in revenue, mm-hmm. you can't do it by gut instinct anymore. And it's recurring revenue, right? So it's, yeah, it's so, like with this great continuation of the business. So that year after that course and advice from my advisor, my business grew by 65% and continued growing by 65% year over year, which is why we were on the Inc. 5000 list, the fastest growing companies in America. That's, that's just amazing. And I can imagine f- for you as this, the visionary and the CEO and the creator of it all is, is like a big shock to grow like 65% when you are already at that level. So what happened to you? What is the shadow side? <laughs> What happened to me? Yeah. My ego was um, inflated beautifully. (laughs) I was really able to enjoy the moments leading up to it, which I think is the most important part. I was able to celebrate with my team and I was able to use that designation to amplify both that award, but put our company on a map. And we, we ended up looking far bigger than we really were to our industry. Because in the event industry, no one else was doing that growth or being recognized for it. Yes, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what what was your biggest lesson taken away from that specific experience? The the lesson is, because I started my business in 2001. We're talking about 2015. That's almost 15 years 
in of not having corporate guidance, advisement, that entrepreneurial master's course learning I didn't have. So the lesson is back to what we were talking about before. The shortcut would have been to do the work earlier on. I'm pausing here because I really want this to sink in. <laughs> and it's every level has a new devil. So I think that a lot of people on any level get either imposter syndrome or a sense of procrastination on the needle movers. Absolutely. I yeah. have that all the time. Yeah. And but I pushed through it. Yes. And it's, it's just like you have different levels, how you can grow. You can grow in your business and financially, and then you can grow mentally, of course, which normally goes paired. But how about the spiritual growth? What was the spiritual growth going on? Is there something that happened for you that truly enabled you to have more success? Oh, wow. The spiritual and the internal emotional, that spans through professional and personal, right? That, and, and you can't really separate that. Mm -hmm. And I would say I've been doing a lot of hard work on that internal since I was young because of the situation. I've been in lots of therapy. I think it's so important to find your blind spots and, and be shown the blind spots and then work through some of the things that you believe to be so, mm. but really aren't. Yeah. Right. Those things are, and believe me, I got a couple of those that I'm still fighting right now. So no matter how much success and growth I've experienced, I still have a ways to go. That's yeah. okay. I love that. I love you for sharing that. <laughs> so, and it's so important to know because on every level, sometimes you just see this less openness and that's why I like to bring it out so that people just feel related and know that it's happening on every oh, yeah. level. <laughs> and it, it's sometimes I would say in my book, Relentless, I put so much vulnerability in that book. To the point where people are like, oh my God, I can't believe she said that. Or I can't believe she admitted that. And I put in a couple of passages that my best friend and my therapist didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. Why I think it was safer to be putting it into a book that's published for hundreds of thousands of people to read, I don't know. But someone just wrote to me, you know, I'm getting incredible feedback from entrepreneurs and a man in Arizona that I didn't know wrote, this is the book I wish I had the courage to write. Wow. I love that. I, I just had a client of mine just having this, it's not, not on that big of scale, but a really, really vulnerable book. And it's so courageous to do that because this message reaches so many people and heals so many people on levels that need to be healed too, in order for them to be successful in every way in business and in life. So if, if, if we look at making things easier in business, right, we have tech, we have the digital <laughs> age going on. So how, how can a, a good growing business create digital ease and what could it mean for the business? One thing that I did that I hope that everyone hears and understands could be possible in their business is that we automated every single low touch, repeatable thing in our business. And we are continuing to find those opportunities to automate the lower touch, repeatable things. I'm going to give you a number to show you what that could look like. We did 777 events in one year with two people in operation. 
because of the system I built. Wow. That is mind blowing. So there is a way you have to figure it out. Every business is different, but I think digital can be such a great partner and addition to your staff. It's not going to take away all the people. It shouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) But why make it harder on yourself? Yes, exactly, exactly. And a lot of businesses haven't been thriving, especially during the pandemic. What, what would your, which bottleneck would you remove first if you were go about to work with the clients? Oh, well, I would look at whether they have a system and process um, in place that they can describe mm-hmm. and look at it on paper. And really walk them through it, have them talk me through it and, and explain their processes and then see when they get stuck and go, oh, wait, that's how we do it. I think there could be a better way. And typically, if you don't stop and pause and look at it from that, not 30,000 view, foot view, but maybe 10,000 foot view and really walk yourself through the system that you've created, you may not see them pop out. Although... Hopefully your employees see them and hopefully you have given them the opportunity to be free with how they explain to you, hey, Natasha, I'll give you an example. Someone said in my company years ago, yeah, I call all of our vendors the day of the event to make sure that they have all the information that they need and that they're going to show up. That's stressful. (laughs) Would you do that? Yeah. (laughs) They have an advancing email with all of the information that's sent to them four days before the event, they're set. But my team was like, no, that's not enough for me. So instead of having everyone call their vendors, we did an SMS text message, goes out to all the vendors the morning of the event mm-hmm. with a note, especially to them with a link to all the advancing information. So now no one has to call anyone on the day of. Yeah. And they don't have to fix it the same day because that's, that sounds terribly stressful <laughs> to do that on the same day of the event because yeah, you yeah. want some momentum into the events and everything arranged already. Right. So tell me about one of your clients, client story that's really inspiring. And there must be many, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, our, our clients are Google and Apple and Facebook and LinkedIn and all of those huge names that you hear about. We're in the San Francisco Bay area. So this is where many of these companies come from. They're all inspiring because we do over the top, really bold engagements. We're not doing meetings and trade shows and conferences. We're doing the celebratory things with like aerialists hanging from the ceiling, pouring champagne and- Oh my gosh, you know, that sounds amazing. <laughs> headliners and- Experience. You know, fire floors. Yeah, experience design. So one year we did an event for 6,000 people at Google in a hotel in 21 different rooms of the hotel. We had to design each room as an experience. Wow. Their theme was out of this world. So it's kind of a space theme. And we had Star Wars stormtroopers do a ballet. That <laughs> is a flash mob. <laughs> I know everything that's coming out of my mouth sounds just ridiculous, but no, but it's it's crazy how big of an experience and how much of an impact that could make, right? <laughs> right. I mean, this is for the employees of Google, yeah, um, uh, one of the departments, and they were being thanked for their service and their 
intellectual contributions, like their job, they were being thanked for their job. And I do think that that is important in the world because they're being thanked for the job that they're doing for Google. And what do we all use? Google. Yeah. Right. So we are a part of creating that culture and those core values for that company that emanate into the world and that we receive as users. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I see it as a circle of life. That might be a stretch. But I love it. I, I, I just think like what, what kind of ripple effect can you create? And it's, you, you are creating not everything is always visible, but it definitely happens. So I love that right. you do that. So what about your number one core value, especially when we look at the book Relentless, you read, what is the one value that really stands out for you? For me, as a leader of an experienced design company that has a lot of glitz and glamour and high stakes, I think the the challenge that a lot of people in my industry, they're challenged to go for perfection. Mm. And that is a really slippery slope to never realizing that because everyone's idea of perfection is different. Yes. Right. And it's impossible to achieve. So we go for excellence. Mm. So I try to be excellent in everything that I do from talking to you on this podcast, right? Mm. I'm being my most excellent self by not paying attention to like, there's nothing on my screen. There's, I've turned everything off. You are all I'm thinking about. And this podcast is all I'm, and I'm thinking about not just you and your experience with me, but what your listeners are going to take away and experience. As that is, I think, one of my most important core values as a person and as a leader of my company. And I think that that amount of presence brings so much, so much energy, so much engagement also. And of course, raises my energy, although I was highly energized. And you seem to be just fine when I (laughs) got on the call. Yes, absolutely. So what, what is the best business advice that you ever got? Raise your prices until your clients start to push back. Wow, that's good. And, and what is the best? That was from my advisor, who was also a client. That is, <clears throat> that is awesome. <laughs> I couldn't find it directly, but that's awesome. But <laughs> what is the best business advice you could give after 21 years in this business? Well, I mean, I think we've touched upon it before. Mm. If you're listening to this and you're in business and you're successful, but you haven't taken a look at your core values or you haven't retouched on your systems and processes and you haven't taken yourself out of your business far enough away to look at it from a holistic view, it's probably time. Mm. And then there are going to be things that are working just fine leave them alone. And if there are things that need to be fixed or tweaked, don't wait, adjust them immediately. Your, everything will get better. Your talent, your, your employees will be thankful and that that will ripple out to your clients, which will also then really uplift your brand. There's nothing you can do about your brand. Like you can't buy a brand, No, right? You are what people experience and think of you. So I I think that's what I would say for today. 
I think that is, that's great. <laughs> what is the best personal advice you could give anybody with a big vision? Yes. So I, this is from my personal experience and I'm going to assume it's a human condition that even though things are going fairly well for me, especially in light of how my life used to be, it's not great all of the time in any given day. One day can be fairly excellent, but throughout the day, I sometimes get down. I doubt myself. I get tired. Sometimes I feel like, why am I even bothering? And I think it's important for people to see all these awards, all these accolades, all the success does come with the normal human experience. And to just appreciate and accept that that, that is happening to all of us. Now, you may not have the same experience I have. Maybe you have full days that are just lovely and really nothing gets you down. Good for you. But if you're like me and throughout the day you can feel joy and doubt at the same time, just accept it, breathe through it, and know that you'll come up and out of it eventually. You can't, though, just wait. Sometimes you have to wait a little bit. But then if you're still in that holding pattern, you have to change your mind to a more positive bent. Now, you can tell, probably by this point, I'm not terribly, I don't have the woo-woo spirituality. Mm -hmm. I don't have the language. I don't have the look and feel or the sound. But I think my message is probably similar to those, the spiritual people with the language and the crystals. And that is, at 51, that's how old I am. I now know I can look back and say, okay, that thing that I thought was just like catastrophic, horrendous, that was going to ruin my life, didn't ruin my life. In fact, I can hardly remember the details. So now I tell myself, don't waste all of your time freaking out about this one thing, because I promise you, you will barely remember the details in the future. Absolutely. And as I said, either it's a success or it is a lesson. Sometimes the biggest lessons come from yeah. the greatest hardships, right? And being in painful situations with yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to rise to a new level. So definitely that's something that is holding a lot of people back overall. So how can people find more about you uh, and your business, about the book Relentless? Yes. How can they find I my personal website, my personal brand website is officialnatashamiller.com. And from there, there's a book page and you can um, find Relentless on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of the digital stores. But I will say this, I forgot about this um, just now. The audible version of my book, I am narrating, but there's also music woven through the entire read of songs that I've written and produced that go with the passages. So I suggest getting the audible version. Oh, that's so exciting because you you have this very musical side to you too. So it's it's a full produ production. I love yes. that. You definitely guys check it out. There is a, an amazing website behind it. So many tools, so much to learn from besides this great podcast. I just have one last question, Natasha. What is the one question that nobody ever asks you, but you would love to answer? I, gosh, that's a, that's a, you, I'm stumped. 
I mean, I'm such an open book and people can feel that, that people ask me whatever comes to their mind, especially funny enough, I was in at a book fair in Berkeley, California, and people have no, no way of um, keeping themselves from asking, you know, questions. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I wish I had a very slick, wonderful thing to say, but maybe ask me a question and I'll give you the answer. Is there something you're burning to ask? No, I think I asked my question. I think <laughs> it was an amazing interview. I hope you guys enjoyed, enjoyed it so much and it was so valuable. So thank you so much. And we will be next back next week to level up again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general. The one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper. And see you next week to level up again.